105 Pips Creek, where every other Hub Wednesday we bring you stories about crime, love, triumph, and adversity. I'm your host and author, Basaxa Harp. We call our episodes short, short for short story. And all of the shorts you will hear on this podcast are fictional. That is, the names, characters, places, and events are the pure product of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to an actual person, dead or alive, or actual events are purely coincidental. The short you're about to hear discusses crime, murder, and contains adult language that may be sensitive to some. Listener discretion is advised. Now let's continue with the argument. <laughs> Previously, in Chapter 2, The Aftermath, you heard some of the gruesome details of the quadruple murder in Albuquerque, New Mexico, concerning the family of four, Eduardo, Martha, Emily, and Chris. You also met the lead detective, Detective Garcia, who has the responsibility of finding the murderer or murderers responsible for this gruesome crime. You are now entering into Chapter 3, Can the Dead Speak? They say God don't make mistakes, but why does it appear that the good died so quickly or too young? Or why is it that death comes to some more tragically than others? Or why is it that children are killed by stray bullets? If they were not meant to be here, why does God allow them to even be born? And as it relates to the Romero quadruple murder, why didn't God allow Eduardo, Martha, Emily, and Chris to perish more peacefully, like on a vacation together, or while traveling on a plane, or even on a boat ride? Why did he choose bloodshed as the way in which they had to leave this earth? Now, because of the horrific crime and lack of eyewitness testimony, someone has to speak for the dead. And as applicable here, Someone needs to be able to tell the world, at least a jury, what happened to Eduardo, Martha, Emily, and Chris. The person would need to be able to explain accurately and logically why death came knocking on their door. And when the door was answered, who actually stood on the other side of that door? Being a detective is hard work. It's even harder when you have very little to go on for purposes of starting the investigation into who done it. This is not like the TV shows where there is an aha moment or where a smoking gun suddenly appears. Instead, this case would take good old detective work. The kind of detective work that requires one to beat the streets. But first, before the true detective work begins, Detective Garcia would need to visit the coroner's office. The Albuquerque's coroner's office, or as it's known more formally as, or shall we say, the fancy name, it's the office of the medical investigator. It always baffled Detective Garcia why they chose that name because it presumes that there are medical discoveries occurring out of this office. But the truth is, as everyone else knows, the place is hollow and its walls are bare. Not because the coroner's office is illegitimate or not important, but it, it would just be bad juju to have the walls too decorative as if the city actually celebrates death. However, there is much money to be made in death. Think about it. The funeral parlor or funeral home 
has an obligation to assure that your loved one's eternal sleeping chambers are posh and comfortable. Although it appears to be an oxymoron, especially given that the comfort of a hardened, breathless body appears to be an unnecessary and quite frankly exuberant cause. Nevertheless, it's a moneymaker. Then take into consideration the probate attorneys whose sole responsibility is to retrieve money, land, and other valuables for an heir born on the other side of the coin, limit an heir from receiving such money, land, or other valuables. Oh hell, maybe someone just decides to Google who died today and then contest the will. It's a doggy dog world, no matter whether you're alive or dead. Apparently, Darwin's survival of the fittest applies both in life and in death. But no matter how fancy the name of the office may be, the coroner is responsible for helping the detective and prosecutor, if applicable, speak for the dead. Albuquerque's coroner was Jesus Madrid, a 45-year-old who spends his fair share of time exploring how and why individuals have died. Coroner Madrid has the heavy responsibility of assigning the cause and or manner of death and officially placing it on the death certificate. This accounts for when a person dies due to a disease, an injury, or some other cause. It is Coroner Madrid that determines if a person died from old age, some freak accident, or died at the hands of another person, causing the need for a criminal investigation and hopefully the conviction or confession of a criminal act. Unless one of the Romeros was able to afflict harm on three of his or her family members and then take his or her own life, it's very unlikely that this matter would be considered a homicide-suicide. You know, where someone decides to kill another person or persons and then decide to take his own life or her own life. Coroner Madrid was notified that he was expecting four fresh bodies, a family of four, from what appeared to be a brutal murder. However, like many of the other calls that he received, he knew that it was up to him based upon his examination of the bodies to determine how each decedent actually reached their eternal rest and if the matter required additional investigation from the Albuquerque Police Department or if the bodies can be immediately handed over to the family for burial purposes. Coroner Madrid, however, doubted that the latter would be the case given the call he received this morning. It went something like this. A police dispatcher phoned Coroner Madrid. And when Coroner Madrid picked up the phone, the voice on the other end announced, Coroner Madrid, we have four bodies coming your way. And from the initial assessment of the crime scene, this simply isn't for folks dying of old age. Anything you can share about the initial assessment of the crime scene, just so that I can mentally prepare before I walk into the office and know what I'm about to face. From what I gather from the report submitted here, this crime scene was rather gruesome. It was definitely not a natural cause matter. There was blood everywhere, according to reports, and it seemed that several bullet casings were found in the general vicinity of the decedents. So it's safe to say that this is a homicide. Thanks for the heads up, Coroner Madrid said. By the way, who's the detective I'll be working with? Detective Garcia, the dispatcher said. Thanks. Coroner Madrid said. He worked with Detective Garcia on several matters, normally on matters of high importance. He generally held Detective Garcia in high regard, even though he thought he was a little too uptight. It was like solving a crime was the only thing that Detective Garcia lived for, 
And to Coroner Madrid, there was much more to life than simply focusing on one job. Hell, Coroner Madrid knew this from personal experience. Oftentimes, the district attorney is itching for a specific result in the matter. And if he does not get it, he gets very rude, condescending, and often demeaning towards Coroner Madrid. But the coroner knew that he did not work for the DA. He was an elected official and one who owed no allegiance to any specific person, especially not a political talking head like the DA. He owed allegiance to the truth. And no matter how big or small the case, he always focuses on what the medicine and evidence would show. And this case would be no different. If the dad can speak, and they often do, they would speak through him. Detective Garcia was heading to the coroner's office. Nothing has changed since this morning, but he had a habit of ensuring that when there is a murder of any kind, that he speaks with the coroner's office. And when there is a high stakes murder like this one, he wants to ensure that he actually get the coroner on the case and not his understudy or whatever you call it. Not that he doesn't believe that the assistant or understudy is capable of doing the job. It's just a level of understanding he has with the coroner. Detective Garcia arrived at the coroner's office, well, the office of the medical investigator, around 4.30 that day. The parking lot was partly empty. He got out of his car. He stood and he looked at the building. The building that houses the coroner's office is imposing and very New Mexican. In order to actually reach the morgue, however, you had to actually walk around the back of the building, almost as if you were going into an alleyway. There was a very generic white door albeit a reinforced one, with a single light overhead and in the middle of the door was a white sign with black letters that said City Morgue. In order to gain entrance into the City Morgue, you needed to ring a doorbell to the right. Detective Garcia pressed the button and while he stood there teetering back and forth from his heel to his toes, from his heel to his toes, he couldn't help but notice that he actually felt like he was at death door. It was just a very eerie feeling, one that he can't quite explain. Only those who stood before this white door with the word city moored understood this feeling. Every time he stood here, he shook and today was no different. A crackling sound appeared out of nowhere and then there was an uninterested voice spilling into the alleyway. City moored, how may I help you? Detective Garcia with APD here to see Coroner Madrid regarding four individuals that arrived earlier today. I'm the lead detective on the case. The crackle came again. Is he expecting you? Detective Garcia rolled his eyes and thought to himself, nope. I just like showing up looking for dead bodies because that's what folks like to do here in Albuquerque. But instead he answered, we, we did not have a set appointment, but I'm sure that he's expecting me given the nature of the case involving the four bodies that arrived today. Can you please let him know that I'm here? The same crackle again. Hold on. Detective Garcia simply thought, sure, I'll just wait right here and hope that an unmarked plain white van does not arrive while I'm here with more packages for the fucking city morgue. It seemed as if he was waiting there for about 15 minutes before he heard a heavy buzz and then the click and clink of unlocking doors. He entered the door. It closed behind him with a loud clank. At the sound of the door closing, he thought to himself, now, who would want to escape out of here? It's not like these bodies can get up and move about. Or could they? 
A stocky lady who had to be no more than 33 years old was waiting for him. Detective Garcia, I'm Monica Jelinski, Coroner Madrid's assistant, she said as she extended her hand towards Detective Garcia's location. Detective Garcia extended his hand and shook hers. Miss Jelinski, nice to meet you. Sorry to spring myself on you all, but this case just kind of sprung itself for me, if you know what I mean, he said. No worries, Detective. Coroner Madrid said that he expected you to come today or tomorrow or at least someone from your office, she said, smiling. Now, I apologize for the drab decorations, but we are a morgue after all. But let me escort you to the conference room where Coroner Madrid will meet with you. Thank you, Detective Garcia said. They walked down a long corridor. And as they walked, there was nothing but bare white walls and which each step, the barren walls just increased the sound of their footsteps. They walked for about three to four minutes and entered into a room with a table that can sit about six people that only had about five chairs around it, a projector and a screen. Other than that, the conference room had absolutely no personality. But what would you expect from a morgue? Just sit right here and Coroner Madrid would be in to see you shortly, Miss Jelinski said as she walked out. Detective Garcia sat down, made himself as comfortable as he could, and waited a few minutes before Coroner Madrid opened the door. He walked in, extended his hands. Nice to see you again, Detective Garcia. Always good to see you as well, Coroner Madrid, although it seems weird saying that since I always seem to speak with you concerning a dead body or bodies. But... It is what it is, and I'm happy to be working with you despite the circumstances. Corner Madrid let out a small laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but it's the nature of the business that we are in, Detective. To what do I owe the pleasure of this visit? He said. Well, Corner, as you may be aware, we are dealing with what appears to be a quadruple murder, and we are attempting to get some leads on the matter. But... That's not running as smoothly as I would hope. And as you are aware, the first 48 hours of an investigation are crucial. Given the scene of the crime and the amount of blood, it's difficult to know what type or types of weapon or weapons may have been deployed. Now, I know this is your area and you will determine if in fact this was a crime, but my experience tells me this is definitely a crime. So I was hoping that you have been able to at least scan the bodies for an initial assessment of the type of wounds we're dealing with? Coroner Madrid looked intensely at Detective Garcia. And for a few moments, he didn't say anything. It was as if he was trying to assess what, if anything, he could actually say. Well, Detective, as you know, we recently received the bodies and I've been unable to conduct the normal assessments of the bodies, including the autopsies. All I can say at this moment is that preliminarily I concur with your assessment that it appears to be a homicide and whoever wanted them dead ensured they were not going to have any chance of survival. I surmise that you would want us to work through the night and get you some results by mid-afternoon tomorrow? Detective Garcia responded, yes, that would be wonderful as it would permit me the opportunity to jumpstart this investigation. Okay, Detective, I will try my best, although I can't make any promises. We're kind of backed up, but we should be able to provide you some results tomorrow. Is there anything else? Coroner Madrid said. Yes, 
detect the question you're saying. But can you please make sure that you only communicate with me or the chief concerning this case? I, I, I want to ensure that there are no leaks of information to the press concerning this matter. I kind of have an idea of who I want to speak with first, but I, I don't want too much information out in the media, if you know what I mean. Detective Garcia said. Absolutely, Detective Coroner Madrid said. As you know, we have a standard policy here at the coroner's office to consult with the police department concerning what details, if any, to provide to the media. So your request shouldn't be an issue for us to follow. Other than that, is there anything remaining? No, Detective Garcia said. Just thank you for seeing me on such short notice. I apologize for adding so much on to you, but this is going to be greatly appreciated and very helpful to the investigation, Detective Garcia said. They shook hands. Detective Garcia walked to the exit door and then went to his car. Alright, my friends out there in podcast landia, it's time for this short to end. So until we meet again, remember here at Shorts by Peeps Creek, we tell original stories dedicated to crime, love, triumph, and adversity. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory, and be sure to tell a friend. Send tips, feedback, or other ideas about how the next chapter in this short should unfold by sliding into my DMs on Instagram at Basaxaheart. You can also leave a message or send a text at 202-618-0043 or visit the website at peepscreek.com. That is P-E-E-P-S-C-R-E-E-K.com. The theme music for the podcast is created by my brother Crazy Treek out of Detroit, Michigan for Blazing Heat Music. Until the next time here at Peeps Creek Cafe, we will continue to listen, drink, create, and converse. Peace and love.